0: And we're back now with more Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. Let's continue the conversation about yesterday's mass shooting in Nashville. It happened, as we know, at a school, so our minds immediately went to the students, the educators, and the staff in the building. And in any building where violence like that would take place. Joining us now is Nate Petrini, executive director of High Jump, a program that helps middle school students excel. He's also a former CPS principal and teacher. Hi, Nate. Welcome back.
1: Thanks, Sasha-Ann. Good to be here.
0: Also with us is Catherine Buitron-Bera. She's an education and diversity advocate, former school safety consultant, and volunteer with March 4th. That's a nonprofit founded just days after the Highland Park Parade shooting. Welcome, Catherine.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Um, I wish that you were here under better circumstances. Mm -hmm. I know that you were listening along to my previous conversation there with Ashby Beasley, who is uh, the mom and advocate who happened to be in Nashville when shots rang out here at this school, but is also a survivor of uh, Highland Park. Your reaction to hearing what she had to say, Catherine?
2: I am not surprised that she's in a second shooting. Uh, she's not an isolated case. We saw that happen last month um, in Michigan. We just had an event, a big event in D.C. last week, uh, called Generation Knockdown, where all these Kids who are survivors of mass shootings while they were at a school came together in front of Congress, in front of the Senate, to say, we've had enough and we need an assault weapons ban. March 4th was there with them, uh, supporting them and with them along the way to make sure this happens. Mm -hmm. We need an assault weapon ban, and that is our goal.
0: Nate, when you heard that three students, three staff members were killed in a mass shooting at at a school... What were your thoughts yesterday?
1: Oh, um, I mean, my heart breaks for the community at Covenant School. Um, three nine-year-olds who just wanted to uh, learn math and learn science yeah. and talk to their friends and hug their teachers and teachers who just want to see students flourish um, to be cut down. Um, so deeply sad and deeply senseless. Um, but unfortunately, uh, as we heard from our prior guests, it's not the first time that as a school leader and education leader that I've had to see that happen in schools and think about uh, what it means for my students, my own children, kids yeah. in our city. Um, a lot of reflection on all, all the pain. Yeah, and impact well, of that.
0: well, to the points you're both making, according to the Gun Violence Archive, this is the 129th mass shooting in the U.S. so far this year. 2023.
2: Yes. This is also the 16th K-12 through mass shooting in the first three months of the year. And the month is not over yet. Um, and I have to mention the month is not over yet because as we saw last month, it was one week, one after the other after the other. And at this point, it's not a matter of when or if, it's a matter of when. These things are going to happen unless we change the legislation.
0: Nate, video footage, um, it, it's playing on all the channels right yeah. now. It shows the attacker shooting their way through the glass of a, one of the side doors. This was supposedly locked. You have run schools. Mm-hmm. An incident like this is a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. Like, I do not ever want to get this phone call. It also has to be an educator's worst nightmare, right? How do schools in Chicago prepare for active shooters?
1: Well, I can tell you how they prepare. I could tell you what we should be doing. So how we prepare certainly is that there are just these basic things that probably almost every school already does. Um, Try and limit your entrances and your exits, have guests sign in, lock your doors, right? Um, But like you said, as we saw yesterday, as we saw in Uvalde, as we saw in Parkland, if someone is determined to get in a school with a gun, they're going to get in with a gun. If someone is determined to inflict damage in a school, they're going to inflict I mean, this person
0: had maps of the school, right? so they were determined.
1: And so what we're talking about are things that we expect schools to do to limit the amount of victims, not eliminate the amount of victims. And these are the wrong questions to be asking. The questions we should be asking is how do we eliminate this, right? And so, that, so a principal is accountable and responsible for so much to expect a principal and teachers to keep shooters out of their school or to inspect a, expect a school system to keep shooters out of schools. It's not a realistic expectation. Um, but as The head leader, of the
0: school, in this case, lost her life. She did. She's one of the three. And as
1: that has happened in many other schools around the nation. And so um, principals are going through all of the things that you would expect them to do today, communicating out to their parents that they value their children, they want to keep their children safe, talking to their teachers who have fears and anxiety- talking to the students who have fears and anxiety. But those are really narrow and short responses that are all that we can do the next day. And so people are going through those exercises and those motions, but if we expect them to actually stop school shootings, that's not what's going to happen.
0: Catherine, you worked as a school safety consultant, right? So what's your reaction to that, a shooter just making their way through a door that's supposed to be locked?
2: I am not surprised. as a school safety consultant, um, you walk through the schools, you uh, make a plan with the school district on how to deter someone to not going into the building. But when you have an assault weapon, you can shoot your way inside. Mm-hmm. You can use a different door. Somebody inside can let you in. And the bottom line is once you are inside with an assault weapon, you are not going for one or two or three people. These weapons are weapons of mass destruction. These weapons are designed to take as many lives possible in minutes. They're effective in killing. And you can put metal detectors, you can put x-ray machines, you can have one entryway. They are still able to make their way inside mm-hmm. because of the weapons that they carry.
0: And you focused on entrances. Right. Yes, that was your work.
2: That was my work. I focus on entrances. I've um, also um, walked through the lockdown drills with some of the school districts that uh-huh. I work with. And a lockdown drill, it's not effective when you have a group of children, regardless of the age, just hide and run away from an assault weapon that is going to not only kill them, but it's going to liquefy their organs and how do you run away from that? how do I'm a parent? How difficult it was for me and for every single parent out there to drop off their kids in a school this morning,
0: yeah every single time this happens, yes, it's and very difficult for me to watch yeah. my minor teens. It's very difficult for me to watch them walk out the door,
2: yes, and even. As an expert on the field, I have conversations with my kids. How do your lockdown drills work? What are you guys doing here and there? What is your experience? It's heartbreaking. The state of Illinois requires three drills per year per school. They're not as effective to begin with because of time constraints. So not everybody's going through every step. Not everybody's pushing the desks and the chairs or covering the windows that is a big problem right there even if you go through all of these steps like i said the moment that assault weapon is inside of the school Mm. it's over that's it it's It's over over.
0: uh nate you were actually uh, the principal at hawthorne scholastic academy in lakeview on december fourteenth, 2012 this is the day of the massacre that we know uh, it's sandy hook in connecticut still the worst mass shooting at an elementary or high school in u.s history What did you learn that day? Oh,
1: gosh. You know, I I remember that day really, uh, really clearly. A teacher came into my office while I was working with just panic on her face and tears in her eyes and asked me if I saw what had happened and I hadn't. And I pulled up the news and saw. And the rest of the day was filled with this look that I got from her, that I got from every teacher, that I got from every parent of like, what are we going to do about this? And not like in a rhetorical way, like they wanted to know what I was going to do about it, yeah. right?
0: And you're the principal.
1: I'm the principal.
0: You've got to have the answers.
1: And I didn't have them, but I prioritized communication. I did those things that I mentioned earlier, made sure that we were uh, having one entrance and exit, people were signing in, but it didn't change the fact that um, for every day thereafter... Every time I sat in the hall in my school to just talk to students, talk to teachers, and I would feel the pulse of my school, just a normal routine that I had as I would see students and parents and teachers sort of weave in and out of the hallway, um, I would, to the day, every day, think about what if the next person who comes around that corner mm-hmm. has a gun? What would I do? What should I do? And, and I carried that every day, and I imagine so did the teachers and the kids. So really what I learned was that.
0: What, what did you think? What, what would you do? I'm curious. What was rolling through your mind as think, your way to you know to keep yourself and, and others safe.
1: You know, it was always just a very quick. I'm going to run and shut every door that I can, and do everything that I can to delay. Yeah. Until we hope that someone gets here. But as Catherine said, as your other guests have said, is it's just an attempt to minimize something that shouldn't ever be happening in the first place. And mm-hmm. and I would say that like the mental. Uh, Told that that played on me was probably dramatically smaller than it was on five-year-olds who are in our buildings. And that's one of the other things to remember is that that day at Sandy Hook, too, not that any one life has more value than another, but these were six- and seven-year-olds, too. Mm-hmm. And so this uh, reality that we're asking people to live in, it's not just Catherine and me and you who have to live in it when we send our children to school, but yeah. it's the actual children who – um, have no choice but to confront this thing every day of, is today the day? Am I safe in this place? Instead of focusing on what school is meant to be for kids.
0: I, as a parent, I'm just, I'm I'm rattled. Um, I mean, just hearing Catherine talk a moment ago about the impact of a bullet from one of yeah. these weapons on a kid,
2: So on a small body. Yesterday, the Washington Post had actually earlier in the day, uh, made public two cases of two different students that were killed by an assault weapon. This came hours before the shooting in Nashville. For anyone who saw it, and if you haven't, please make sure you go and look for that information. Uh, For anyone who has heard the hearings at the Senate from the parents who've lost children, you can hear the devastation that their bodies went through and the devastation thereafter for their families to mm-hmm. recognize their bodies. To How do you move on from that? You can't. Um, when it comes to small kids, uh, like Nate was saying, when you have a classroom, you don't have – every kid is so different from each other. You don't have one classroom with 10 kids and two teachers. The reality of most classrooms is at least 20 kids per teacher – And you have kids that are neurodiverse. You have kids with mobility issues. What happens to those kids when a shooter is in the building? Even during a lockdown drill, these kids have a harder time moving on after the lockdown drill than their peers. For younger kids, they have a really hard time with their emotions and how they can accept and comprehend transitions after a drill. Now, can you imagine the fear and the terror that goes through them if there's a shooter? I cannot. And how do you tell your kids, be quiet? Because that's the first thing everybody knows. Be quiet, run, and hide. hide. Yeah. How do you stay quiet in a classroom full of young children? And how do you keep, as a teacher, all of those kids safe?
0: Just a, a few minutes ago, Chicago Public School CEO Pedro Martinez sent out a note to CPS parents. In part, it reads, our approach is grounded in proactively providing for the physical and emotional safety of our students and creating a culture that is centered on building trusting relationships between students and staff. We are also fully committed to meeting the social and emotional needs of our school communities. In the wake of the tragedy in Nashville, we'll encourage staff to use our, the day after guidance, which creates a safe space for students to voice their concerns and to speak openly about their feelings. What should principals and school superintendents be doing, Nate, on the day after the school shooting?
1: Yeah, well, hopefully those principals have been working really hard to build uh, trusting relationships between students and staff and then doing exactly as uh, CEO Martinez said, um, pausing what's been happening in instruction and in a developmentally appropriate way, which I hope those tools provide guidance for, giving teachers the language and the resources to talk to students and listen to what they're saying and then have a healing-centered uh, path forward for those young people. You know, at at, at High Jump, uh, we focus a lot on equipping students with the language to explain and express how they are feeling mm-hmm. and the understanding of the fact that this is a journey for all of us and we're gonna wrestle with trauma and we're yeah. gonna wrestle with difficult times in our life and to have the trusting adult that's gonna help shepherd you through that. So we do a lot of that at high jump and those are best practices you that so, I you know. Focus that on that social
0: emotional that social learning. Social emotional
1: learning is critical to be able to identify your emotions, say it out loud try and understand why you're feeling that way and know that it's okay. You're not alone on this journey and that there are other people here with you. And I I hope that's what that framework is doing. Chicago Public Schools has put a lot of time and energy and money into social emotional learning, which is important and is critical. And hopefully all that training helps uh, Mm -hmm. the wonderful and amazing teachers and administrators doing that work today.
0: As we we mentioned at the top, Catherine, uh, the advocacy organization that you're with, March 4th, it was founded after the mass shooting in Highland Park last July. Now, we saw legislation like the uh, Protect Illinois Communities Act, which was introduced since Highland Park. So what would you say advocates from Nashville can learn from the process that you all deal with?
2: Uh, people at Nashville, advocates at Nashville, and actually parents, teachers, everyone everywhere can learn from this. You take your frustration, your feelings, your anger, and put them into action. Um, a big deal of what March 4th does, we educate voters on how to communicate with their officials, how to do actionable items the day off, the day after, and on the weeks to come. Mm-hmm. We are not just ourselves doing the work. We are doing the work with every single one of our followers. And those followers bring more followers. We are getting louder every day. Every time there's a shooting, we restart the education process of call your pick up your phone and call your senators. This is what you can do online. This is what you can do through your phone at the state level, at the federal level. And we want to get all of the advocates everywhere, all of the community um, that works together. We're all on the same page, and we're all moving in the same direction. March 4th is a piece of this, um, and our goal is one, ban assault weapons. Uh, One of the things that we are working really hard is we also have – a Spanish account, uh, because we want to make sure we're getting our point across, not only to the English-speaking voters, but also to the um, Latinx community, making sure that every parent who might not be comfortable or know how to knows what are the next steps. And it is a process where even teenagers are learning from that. I have teenagers, and every day this is what you have to do and mm-hmm. this is how it works. Oh
0: yeah, well, we're just about out of time, Nate, but real quick, just leave us with this. How can parents and survivors of Nashville, how can they work towards change?
1: Yeah, well, well I'm certainly not a um, an advocate in the sense that Catherine is. I think it's just have really clear communications with their school and their school district about what kind of resources they want to see and um in their school and what kind of resources they don't want to see. Obviously okay. this is gonna steer us towards conversations about um you know metal detectors and armed guards in schools, mm-hmm. things that we know don't work to prevent school Getting shootings. Guns. Right. And so I think it's just be really cautious that we don't jump to solutions like that that yeah. aren't actually solutions that divert resources from classrooms and into things that actually increase the likelihood that Kids are re traumatized, yeah. that students come into contact with law enforcement in ways that they shouldn't be. So, just being cautious yeah. and mindful of that. And at the same time, giving your teachers and your admins space to know that they can uh, support your kid. And remembering that, you know, as parents, well, we are scared and worried about our students going to school, uh, teachers and admin are scared to be in there sometimes. Yeah. And so, encourage them and support them. And, um, yeah, you know, that's the reality. Hope it doesn't happen again.
0: We've been talking with Nate Petrini of High Jump and Catherine Buitronbera of March 4th. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you, you.
1: Sachin.